What's up, everybody? It's Jason and Bo back with uh, episode seven of Parked in Turn One. Bo, how are we doing today? Not too bad, Jason. How's it going in your neck of the woods? Oh, man, I can't complain. Had a good track day on last Friday with you and, and your wife and some of our friends. And I'm just ready for some more racing. We got uh, Moto America kicking off this week. We right. got... Um, you know, MotoGP is back in action. It's going to be a good weekend. So what's new since I saw you last? <laughs> Not too much. About the same. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. There's a lot of lot of stuff going on this weekend. Moto America opener at Road Atlanta's this weekend, uh, like you said. And then also we've got MotoGP at Jerez. So we're, we're definitely going to have a lot to watch and a lot of entertainment going. And, and it sounds like it's just going to be a really good weekend for us. But uh, It really is. Yeah, how about that I'm track excited, day? Man. It was a it was a fun track day we had. Weather was was it, really pretty for a Friday, and and it was just turned yeah. out to be a really good day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, look, this time of year, riding is amazing. It is. I mean, the the wind feels beautiful. Um, you're not too hot. You can stand to be outside. I'm not running for the toy hauler to jump in the AC. I mean, it, it's just great, and I, I love living in the south when it's like this because it is it you just can't beat it I mean, hands down i mean the we're early season here up north it's still pretty cold uh in the mornings especially and here it's chilly um in the mornings but it really warms up in the afternoon but speaking of chilly nights uh what happened to you um uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was blessed with a good samaritan that's what well that's what happened um yeah, definitely. Thank you for uh, letting us crash in your digs with the heat and uh, not making us stay in our, our unheated, uninsulated six by twelve enclosed trailer that uh, would have no doubt frozen us half to death that night. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was surprised you guys were fighting it as hard as you were. I don't know if you thought maybe I was trying to do something weird to you or. <laughs> Or what it was. I always was think like, you're look. trying to do something weird to us. <laughs> That's never a question. And, right. Well, it's, it's probably not too far off base. But I was like, I don't know why you would even consider not taking me up on this offer, you know. But uh, it was cold that night, you know, I think low 40s. Um, and I felt like there was no reason for you guys to freeze. Just stay in the stay in the heated trailer. No, why, why mess yeah. with it? Yeah, we re- we really appreciate that, and I think it made us feel better for uh, for Friday morning as well. We didn't wake up miserable and, and have to try to run across the paddock to the shower, and you know, take a hot shower for about forty five minutes even to get the feeling back on our toes. So, uh, yeah. no, it uh, it definitely was a was a blessing, and uh, can't thank you enough for that. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. Anytime, it's always available to you. Um, you know, I'm just in there by myself, so I got room. Well, you know, a lot of times Nick is there with me, but there's still a third bed, even if Nick is there. So if it's cold, you guys are definitely always welcome. And, uh, you know, I, I'm happy to do it. It's no problem. That's part of that's part of the being in the track community, you know, take care of your friends and the people who are out there if they need some help helping them out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was just a, it, it really ended up to be a. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say a perfect day, you know, cause we had a lot of red flags, a lot of traffic, but, uh, you my know, as far as, we? Uh, I think for both of us and, and, and my wife, I think it, it really turned out to be a perfect day. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I did not run anywhere close to a personal best, but at the same time, I, I was able to ride with you, um, see you, uh, set a, you kind of, you did set a personal best following behind me, I think, um, 
So you definitely got, you know, got some speed under your belt. Um, and you got to ride the new bike. Tell me your thoughts after a day on the new bike. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of summed it up there at the track a little bit, um, but I'll try to go back into it here after being able to, to kind of digest, digest it and thinking about it for a few days. Um, the, the bike just, the, it just feels incredible, uh, right out of the box. And I know that, uh, you know, you and, and, uh, and Jason, uh, Wilson, our other buddy, he, um, he, you know, you both are on ZX tens and he, you know, he's telling me the exact same thing you're telling me shim the rear, you know, but the, uh, um, just the feeling out of the box that the bike had compared to the R1 that I was riding last year, it's, it's incomparable really. And, uh, it, you know, like you were, you were kind of coaching me through a few things and we were trying different lines and here and there, and, and, uh, you were kind of giving me pointers and the, uh, I, I mentioned to Jason too, that I realized that just sitting back and thinking about it, you know, just for a couple of days, I told you, you know, through the carousel at Carolina motorsports park, you were taking it in second gear. I was in third gear. Um, and and the more I'm thinking about that, the more that I, I know that you're you're you know you're kind of onto something with what with how our bikes are similarly set up right now, um, you know as far as gearing goes, and I think that second's going to be a a better a better place for me to be in the exit there. Um, the bike just felt great. Uh, I know you. I had a moment on the Bridgestone RS10 rear uh, in the uh, second session. Um, I think there was yep. a a little bit uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, a couple contributing factors there. I think I might have had a little bit too much air pressure. Um, tire might have still been a little bit cold. It was just the second session, um, but uh, the the way that it the way that it kind of let go, it just really didn't feel like it should have let go that way. Um, but you know, it was a fairly high speed uh, slip. You know, around 100, right where I was at, it was right around 100 miles an hour, and uh, the rear just kind of stepped out, and of course, it probably didn't step out nearly as far as I thought it did, or it felt like it did, but... No, uh, it never does, but to me, it might have been bad. six... <laughs> yeah, to me, I, you know, it might have might have completely let go if it was up to me, but yeah. uh, um, no, it switched over from the RS10s immediately to the uh, to a Pirelli. Uh, thanks to you again, actually, you had some on hand, the Pirelli guy didn't... <laughs> <laughs> Pirelli guy didn't have any in the, bo- in the uh, truck, so uh, definitely thanks again to you, and and uh, I, I mean, the initial yeah. feeling on the Pirellis right out of the box was just—it's—it was amazing. Phenomenal, I didn't have, right? Yeah, I didn't yeah. have any slips all day, and I was actually starting to work the 200 over, um, you know, uh, as close to the edge on the 190 as I was already. So I felt like I was by the end of the day, I was definitely feeling a lot better. And and um, I think the last session that I ran, uh, I, I had started to finally step into the area that you guys have been, uh, you know, kind of beating me to death about is just stop thinking and ride the stupid bike. So, uh, I yeah. think there were some, yeah. some turn, you know, especially turn 11 and turn 12. I just, I started to get to that point, you know, let off the lever, let the bike roll a little bit through the turn more instead of sitting and parking it going in and, and, uh, same yeah. into turn 12 and bike felt good. Um, I just can't, I, I can't describe how, uh, how, much fun I had on the bike. And, and I think that, you know, from last year, um, how difficult of a transition it was for me to get used to that R1. Um, it, it was a, it was a, it was a challenging year, but, uh, I mean, right out of the box with this bike, it's a completely different feeling, completely different attitude. And, and it's, it's just a polar opposite of, of how last year started. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, that, that bike is just so good. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I think I said it on our last podcast about how I'm, I'm becoming, falling in love with the Kawasaki product. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just such a good bike. And I, I 
really I really took a long time to kind of come to grips with it because I couldn't ride it like I rode the old bike. Um, but once I got it right, it, it took me a lap and a half and I was, I was, I was in great place, you know? And so I, I really, I think you go into the ZX-10 was a good move because I love it. Um, of course I was an advocate for it. Um, the seating position is a little different than the R1. The ergonomics are different. But, you know, all that aside, I just think it's a great bike. I love the way it shifts. I love the way it's pretty steady. I feel real comfortable now that I've got my tank situation sorted um, on the lean. Uh, I feel like I can change lines if I need to at lean, which is not common, but you know how it is when you're rolling up on traffic. You really never know what someone's going to do. Right. Um, which, you know, that's what we talked about too. You, you mentioned the carousel, how I was going in second gear. Um, there weren't many times throughout the day where I was really able to hold the race line without, you know, cutting throttle or standing it up because there's a slower traffic in front of me. Um, but when I get through there, man, and I do it right, I sure do feel good on that bike. And so... You know, I, 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 there was some struggles for me that day as well. I mean, I when I get into traffic and it's as crowded as it was those days, I have trouble reminding myself to get to wide open throttle when I can. You know, when there's no one in front of me, I go back to riding like I'm behind slower riders still. And so hopefully, you know, I can work on that and, and be a bit a bit, little bit better disciplined. I know that my eye discipline gets a little bit bad when I'm following people that are much slower than me because I don't. I don't have to try. I think I think that's that's what it is. And so, you know, I, we both have a lot to work on. I I just I was happy to see you happy on the bike. So that's a good day. And you know, I I think you know you know Ange is on the your wife is is on the small bike, and it was a meat grinder out there that day with all those bikes and the red flags. I mean, we averaged more than one red flag per session. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. you and I took the last session off. Uh, and they had a red flag <laughs> two, two laps in. Yeah, it was so. definitely one of the uh, more disorganized. Um, of course, it was a big paddock, though. You know, I mean, it was yeah, a, it was it a was very big, big weekend really to be big. in the, the in, in two track days endurance weekend. Um, so we had some, some yeah. big names. There were some big reputations there. Yeah. Uh, some fast guys. And they, you know, this obviously, you know, that they had split up our the advanced sessions or the advanced groups into yeah. two groups. And then we had our intermediate group and then the novice group. But, uh, uh, lots of riders in every in every class um but uh and even you know we even saw riders that were in intermediate group that had no business being an intermediate group they should have been in the advanced group uh there was some fast oh, yeah. there was some fast yeah. traffic in, in intermediate um so yeah. you know with some guys that are barely out of novice right you know? so like you said yeah. it's a meat grinder it's, it's just a big it's a big variation in, of, of what really showed up that day and Right. Um, I, I'm happy for yep. the folks that uh, that did show up. That you know, um, I would say that uh, if any of those folks that showed up that might have been in novice group for the first time, and, that, and if that was their first track day, that's yeah. really that, that's really not a typical track day um, that that I've ever seen. Really, I mean, I've seen some that are pretty no. dicey, but uh, but yeah. as by and uh, you know, by and large, that that track day was definitely an exception when it comes to red flags and and yeah, crashes sure. and, and traffic for sure that wasn't great no i mean it, it was it was a little too much traffic for sure but it, it's the way it is man we don't we don't get the uh, the luxury of um 
you know, great traffic all the time. So, you know, we, we just do what we can. We enjoy the day regardless of what the situation is and just go from there. Absolutely. Well, we've got uh, yeah. we've got two uh, two more days coming up here in about a week and a half. Are you riding uh, yeah. again with uh, PRE and in uh, both yep. days? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be out there both days. Um, I think you are as well. Yep. Schedule um, I'm two. looking yep. forward to it. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. I got a, I chewed up the rear tire, so I need a new one. Just so um, fast. <laughs> I think I just got a lot of days on it actually. Um, it, I'm surprised the tire lasted as long as it did, though. I mean, I think. Um, the lack of sessions and then, you know, we had a lot of red flags, so we didn't get nearly as many laps as normal. So that tire lasted a lot longer right. than I had anticipated. Um, but big deal, you know, um, it's a new, that's what we do. Like you said, we go through tires and so I'll put some new ones on for the weekend and see what she does. But, uh, I think, you know, one of the things that, uh, I like about the organization we're going to ride with pre- is in my opinion, and I, I know that some people feel differently, but in my opinion, their groups are uh, the fastest, but also they are the most uh, well-run in terms of instructors being observant to what's going on out there and, you know, making people do the right thing. I saw that a little bit within two, um but also there were so many of us out there. It, is, it was tough to police that, right? I mean, it yeah, just was. Yeah. Um, but I think with pre, I think what you're going to find is it's it's they're pretty observant. Like when they see something, and I've seen it more than once. I've seen them pull a lot of riders off track uh, for riding irresponsibly or just really making too many mistakes, you know? Um, so... We're looking forward to it. I know Angie's looking forward to, uh, you know, as you know, that we've only ridden with N2 track days, which we love N2 track days. We love all the staff that works yeah, there and absolutely. all the guys that run that. Um, but, Bunch uh, you of know, good guys at N2, for sure. Yeah. Given the schedule, you know, in the southeast and our close proximity to Carolina Motorsports Park, um, we, you know, PRE had a few more days. So we wanted to jump on that PRE schedule just a little bit to be able to get more track time at CMP. And uh, just to get more seat time in general, you know, it's uh, we'll go to Road Atlanta maybe once a year. Road Atlanta is a pretty expensive track day. If we got up to VIR, VIR is the same way. It's got expensive. It's an expensive track day. It's a, more in gas. You know, the facilities are a little bit more expensive. Um, Did you guys seeing, buy the membership with Pre? I have a basic. I have basic membership, and I think okay. uh, Ange may have bought the basic too. I'm not not completely sure. So you guys get the ten percent discount? Yeah, yeah, we still get that off. I just. Then, yeah, I have the same thing, and I bought. I just bought VIR today for Monday the seventeenth. Okay. So um, it was less than two hundred dollars. So that's a good price. The then. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. a good price. Yeah, then. yeah. I, I do think I want to push off. I know we'd mentioned uh, uh, us riding Road Atlanta in July, but I do think that we're actually going to push that off into September. I think it's uh, PRE yep. or uh, it's either PRE or N two that's going to be there in September. So we're going to try yep. to catch that day as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I but. Uh, I, I think you wait for the better weather. We know how hot it can get there. Absolutely. I do <laughs> want to take a minute. Uh, take, take a minute. We mentioned where we ride. Um, Carolina Motorsports Park. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the uh, to the facilities and the new management um, of that track. I think they're doing a fantastic job with the new facilities. Agreed. They're really Agreed. improving some stuff. Um, ownership is is extremely amiable. To you know, they're they're open to suggestions. They're open to feedback, and they really want to create an an awesome environment for riders. 
um, not only in motorcycles, but also for all motorsports. I mean, they're doing fantastic job, uh, uh, enhancements to the track as far as the uh, curbing extensions uh, for the cars to get out a little bit wider. So I think we're going to see probably some, uh, I would imagine we're going to see some record time set this year uh, once drivers start to get used to those curbings and the, the fact that they can drive a little bit wider on exits. Um, but no, oh, yeah. huge yep. shout out to uh, the staff at um, Carolina Motorsports Park. And thank you for everything that you guys are doing for us as riders and, and as motorsport enthusiasts. We really yep. appreciate everything. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, you know, I had the power issue and they jumped right on it and uh, fixed it. And uh, what what else could you ask for? I had really nothing. So I was super stoked uh, to see the new ownership really putting the time and effort in to make it a better facility. Uh, and there's still more improvements coming. Um, so we'll see what the future holds, but they're doing a great job right now. Like you said, I'm, I'm really impressed. And I think the motorsports world is taking notice. I mean, they've, they've got, they're booked up, man. They've got a lot of events Absolutely. and uh, that's just, that's just good. That just leads to more improvements. You know, the more money coming in, the more they'll improve the facility and, um, and it's that, good for the town good. of Kershaw too. I mean, it's I obviously agree. you know Kershaw is not the uh, not the not the the biggest uh, municipality or urban area in the world. You know, it's a very it's a it's a small town. You, get, you definitely get that yep. small southern feel when you go to it. I mean, obviously oh, every yeah. time that we go to the track, we always have to stop at the filling station and get <laughs> yep. and get food on the way out. But uh, no, That's I right. think it'll be great for the town of Kershaw, and and I really would hope I hope to see that I hope the town embraces that and and sees that growth opportunity there that they can also put their name out and supports the ownership of the track to continue that. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think all that's good, and uh, I'm stoked for those guys to uh, keep doing. And I'm I'm excited to see what the future holds. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll keep riding and keep coming as long as as long as those facilities hold up. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. We we always in the in the past had to choose whether or not we were willing to kill a set of tires yeah, while we were there. Absolutely. And uh, now that with the new surface. You know, you can go and you can just ride and you don't have to. That's not a concern. You're not going to get need new tires after you leave, which is a big deal. So I'm excited. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Completely agree. But um, yeah, so I, I want to last week, you know, we, we posted it up, but we did not have a Moto2 and Moto3 recap because basically Bo and I went on forever and the file just got too big. So let me apologize for that. We'll recover some of the stuff we covered, but I am guilty of going off on a few rants, uh, and that took up a lot of time, so we apologize. Um, but uh, today, you know, um, we have racing coming up and at, um, at Jerez, correct? Yep, that's correct. And we've got a little bit of Moto America to talk about. I mean, yep. maybe we'll get some, some ideas of what you're hoping to see this year from the Moto America guys. We'll do that real quick as well. I know I saw Skultzy out there on Friday, and he looked awfully quick and smooth, man. Golly. It was unreal to watch a, him ride. He is he, Him riding a big leader bike is not what it looks like when I'm riding a leader bike. Not they at don't, all. This, it's, like, it's like we're not doing the same thing. I don't think we are. I don't, I don't think we are. I think what he's doing and what I'm doing are completely different. <laughs> yeah. um, but... He was so smooth. That bike looked so smooth out there. It looked like a, he was on a 300, whereas I'm wrestling the front, trying to keep it down. This guy is just so good. Um, it was really cool to watch. Uh, humbling, too, but it was really cool. So let's jump into the, the Moto3 race from last week. Let's talk about it real quick. Um, 
I'll, I'll go over the podium finishers. You know, obviously our, our man, the rookie, uh, the one everybody's talking about, Pedro Acosta winning it. Right. Dennis Foggia with a phenomenal race to come in second. And then That's Andrea right. Mino, a little bit of a return. It's nice to see him back. Um, he's been he's been kind of absent. But, uh, Bo, what were overall your thoughts on the race? I, I think mine start with the fact that it's not so easy to win from pit lane. In Moto3, I think we just may have a special rider in Mr. Acosta. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, Pedro Acosta really, really looked fantastic, and this was part of the lost content that that, uh, that unfortunately we didn't get to hit, hit on the first try. But, you know, Pedro Acosta, he, he was in second the majority of the race, and he was very patient, very poised, and very mature. And, and to me, for this kid to be 16 years old and to run that kind of a race and wait until – he knew it was time to go well, then to, to save that tire, to have that, men, that mental space, to have that, that discipline to sit still and to wait for that moment. Um, I, I think it just says a lot about him already as a rider. Yep. And I yeah. think it was, you had mentioned the quote. Um, what was that quote again that you had talked about? So his quote before the race was that he was going to, and I, I, I have to, I'm trying to quote it. So if I misquote it, I apologize. But his quote was that I'm going to go out and have fun for 25 minutes and then go win the trophy. That's a, <laughs> that confidence was on another level. But I think that right now in the championship, I think that he's 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 earned that confidence right now, right? So I mean, he he's yeah, won a race he really from has. from pit lane. He worked he he worked his butt off at the at the Doha GP to come from pit lane and win the race, and um and then he he you know sat in second place behind Dennis Foggy the entire race at Portugal and he then did. made his move and and won the yep. race and came home like he said came home with the trophy. Um, yeah, so, he did. He surely did. Yeah. So, I mean, what else can we say about him? I mean, it, you can only say unbelievable and great so many times. I mean, I don't I don't know that we're doing him justice, but let's wait and see. It's a long season. He's hot right now. Let's see, you know, let's see what happens when things aren't going so great and uh, let's see if he can, you know, keep it keep a consistency that will allow him to be not only just a challenger but for the world championship, but maybe a world champion. I I know he's already a champion. He won the Rookies Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's already a, a champion. Uh, so this guy may have the pedigree, and I think a lot of MotoGP bosses are taking a lot of notice right now. They're watching very closely because this is a kid I I really think that you want on your squad. I, I think uh, right now it looks like a world beater to me. So uh, we'll see what happens. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, Akiyo, he really has an eye for talent, and he's not going to let yep. this kid get away. He's going to develop nah. this kid. He's going to further work yep. with him. You know, he's invested in his riders for the most part, and and he's definitely got something special. I think in Pedro Acosta. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pedro Acosta stays in the KTM family for a long time. I you agree know. with that. Yeah, I, I think that he he definitely has as long as Akiyo can definitely hold his interest. I think, and because other yep. teams are going to be looking, other teams are going to be dangling those carrots as well. You know, yep, throwing money and all that stuff. But no, look, I don't think anybody can throw any more money than than a KTM save a, a Honda or a Yamaha. So we'll see. Maybe maybe Ducati, but they're on the same level of factory size as as KTM. So. You know, I I think and Ducati, you got to remember. I know we're getting a little bit off subject, but you, Ducati, you got to remember that they paid Jorge Lorenzo, uh, Valentino Rossi money, and uh, that didn't work out for him. So they may be once bitten, twice shy, right? So that's true. So so we'll we'll have to see. But uh, you know, like I said, I I want to mention Dennis Foggia because I have watched him race a lot. 
Um, and he's been a little bit inconsistent, but man, he had it. He had the mojo at Portugal on, uh, on Sunday that then, and he did really well. And, and, you know, he got beat by a rider that's just on another level of form right now. Uh, otherwise we're talking, I mean, 0.051, or we're talking about, you know, Dennis Foggia winning his first race in quite some time. Um, Andre Amino, look, I, I really thought two years ago, I, I really thought Mino was going to be something special. And then it just seems like he, the, the switch turned off. He got uncomfortable. He lost confidence. I don't know. And he just kind of went away and kind of struggled. Um, I really am hopeful that for Mino, this is a kind of a turning point, and we can see him fighting at the sharp end a little bit more. Yeah, these were both really important important uh, podiums for both Foggia and, and Mino, exactly why you said. Uh, we've seen him kind of fall away just a little bit. We've seen a lot of inconsistency out of Dennis Foggia. Uh, I'm hoping this can kind of turn some some of that around and uh, and it can really transform his season or at least spark it to to move in that direction. Yep. Same thing with yep. Mino. You know, once Mino left the uh, VR4 or, or – Excuse me, I want to say left the VR forty six academy. He should. He, is he still riding with them? Is he still part of that academy? Uh, as far as I know, know, he is. Yeah, no. As far as I know, he's a part of the okay. academy, but he's not. He was not on the VR forty six team last year. So you know, so with he wasn't uh, Celestino Vietti's uh, teammate, is what I'm saying. Right. Okay. Right. Right. He wasn't last year. I don't believe so. Was he? I thought he was. Did I missing? Am I messing that up? Look at that, Bo. Our research assistant, Bo Winter, is going to look that up for us. Hold please. But I <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll move on down. We'll talk about uh, real quick. Ayuma Sasaki had a great ride. He finished fourth. That's a good finish for him. I think, you know, Tech 3 has been struggling a little bit. And, uh, you know, this was a good finish. Uh, we talked about Dennis Anchu previously. You know, he finished in 15th. So, for Tech 3... They pulled in some points, a fourth and a fifteenth. Obviously, you'd like your second rider to be somewhere better than fifteenth, but you know what? It's better than being in the gravel. He saw a checkered flag, so hopefully for Dennis, this is the kind of a turning point where he can get some confidence back and start finishing some races and and get back to being the rider we know that he is because he's he's got some talent. We know that. Um, in fifth, we had Gabriel Rodrigo, who uh, another solid race. Uh, you know, Gabriel, I think he's just barely off right now. He's, he's putting some stuff together. He's riding really well, but some guys are just riding better. If he can keep this run of form, though, he'll be a contender, and he'll at least be right up there at the sharp end of all the races with a chance to podium and or win. And, you know, as, as in, in Moto3, what else could you ask for, really? I mean, do you agree? No, absolutely. I, I think you're. I think you make really good points, and that's you know that, that's what this class is about. It's it's for that development and to push forward and to you know to, to build these guys, these kids up. Right. I, I, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm pulling for Gabriel Rodrigo. I think he's a good racer. I think he's got a lot of talent, and I'm, I'm hoping he does well. Nicolo Antonelli is back in the top six again. So, you know, Antonelli, obviously a talented rider, and, and I'm, I'm very hopeful that uh, he, can, he can keep fighting because I'd like to see some of these guys really push Acosta um, and see how he does under that kind of pressure. Um, you know, Romano Fanati, Sergio Garcia, Jamia Masia. Um, Masia finishing in ninth, a little bit disappointing, I think. Um, Agreed. We've talked uh, about it. Yeah, we don't. We, we don't really know. Like we don't know who the which Masia we're gonna get. Um, for a couple years now, we've been waiting for the Masia that we all know is there, 
but that's up to Jamma Masia. And uh, we'll have to see. You know, we said it before. He's got to stop the red mist. But I don't think he got into that this time. I just don't think he ever got into a rhythm. Your thoughts? No, agreed. I, I think that's it's more so with this race. This is a really technical track. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of movement on the bike. There's a lot of movement, you know, from the riders on the bike uh, is what I mean by that. Um, they're constantly working, constantly doing something. And and in these Moto three these Moto three packs that we see, uh, you know, it's really hard to, to try to get some space to even find your rhythm. You're always gonna someone that's trying to pass you. Yep. You've always yeah, got got yep. traffic that you're coming up on too. So so yeah, it's really gonna be difficult. And I think turn three at, at Portimao is really it's it's that slowest corner on the track it, it, there's it's really busy there's a lot of stuff that happens in that corner so so yeah i think that the uh, right. uh, massey is just kind of he found himself in the middle of all that and didn't really get anywhere to stretch his legs a little bit or to even calm down and, and kind of gather yeah. up to make a plan yeah. so no, i think you're absolutely right there and aki is going to help him through that and, and that's what that's what aki does i mean he just builds that that talent he yep. develops that if skill. you can do it aki will get it out of you oh yeah he's yeah, great at extrapolating that from riders yep. Yep. Well, I have to mention my favorite, the street fighter himself, Ryusei Yamanaka. Love that name, brother. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get a picture with this guy when I see him at, at the MotoGP at Coda. I can't <laughs> help it. I don't get pictures with riders very often, um, but I just love this dude's name. I don't know why. It just it, it makes me smile every time I read it. So Ryusei, get ready, buddy. You're getting a picture with a, a big, tall American. Your new BFF. Um, a new BFF, man. You want? Hey, did I hear a fan club? Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I'll do it. Um, so I did want to mention that you know our pit lane starters, Darren Bender, uh, John McPhee, Isan Guevara. You know they they just proved how hard it is to do what Pedro Acosta did from uh, pit row. Um, but McPhee did finish the race, no points, but a finish is a finish, um, and nobody hit him, so that's positive. And uh, I, but here's here's what got me off on the rant last time. It's the qualifying for Moto Three. And first of all, I completely understand the importance of starting on the first, second row of the grid. I get it. I get it. I get it. Here's what I don't understand: why you would risk any spot on the grid and end up in pit lane because you're trying not to let people follow you. Big flipping deal. If it means that you have to let someone follow you in order to get on the grid, okay, then that's just what it is. This has been going on forever. Guys have gotten toes in qualifying. If he does not have the pace, you don't have to worry about him in the race. You have this. This whole thing is ridiculous. These the riders are taking it to levels that are ridiculous, and they know it, and I know it, and everybody that's watching knows it. So stop it. Let's stop it. But FIM, you need to do better because this punishment obviously is not working. The monetary fine will not work. Figure out how to make these guys go out, do a qualifying session, and stop this. Uh, the, the shenanigans. The shenanigans are ridiculous, and it's also dangerous. So we know that you want to stop it because it's not safe, but you have to find a better way than making them start from pit lane because all that does is take people on pit lane. Now now you got guys on pit lane, and you had a guy win from pit lane, and so now they thought it wasn't such a big deal. But Darren Bender 
just killed his world championship lead and or his championship prize, you know, prospects because he was being a jerk out or not jerk, but he was just trying to be too cute out in qualifying. It's not smart. It's not a, it's not a smart, it's not God. a mature move. Not at all. It drives me uh, crazy. And I completely agree. And, and uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do want to jump in and, and kind of wag a finger exactly at Darren Bender, which is why, you know, that's why I jumped at it whenever you mentioned his name. You know, Darren Bender, how many times have we seen Darren Bender start from 20th, 25th, 22nd, it, somewhere down below 20th on the grid, and he's immediately within five or ten laps, he is, in, he is in the leading pack fighting for a victory. Darren knows that. Darren, Darren knows that he has that skill and that ability. Now, now sometimes that does mean that Darren has to move up the pack rather aggressively, but he's also been able to hone that aggression quite a bit this year, and even late last year, into something that it's it's really targeted where it where it needs to be. He knows when he needs to unleash the beast, and his his moves they're aggressive, but they're not reckless like we saw two years ago. It's not the complete crazy dive bomb Darren that is tucking the front. It's it's chattering like crazy right before he folds and takes out two or three riders, or even hits a rider to stay up. But no, this is not a mature move from Darren Bender, and you know that I love Darren Bender. I'm pulling for him for the championship. He's my he's my horse that I really want to win. But you've got to be smarter. Exactly what you're saying. You've got to be smarter as a rider. You've got to realize that okay is is five or ten positions on the grid to start with worth giving up everything from pit lane? Is it worth ten seconds in in the pit? Is it really worth that? And and that no. proved on That's Sunday. That's the answers. No. That proved on Sunday that it's not. So. Nope. Once again, completely echoing exactly what you're saying. These teams have to do yep. a better job. FIM has to do has to figure something else out. FIM really needs to figure out a different method for qualifying, possibly with I, the motor honestly, three class. You're right, Bo. I think they should break it up into four classes. Give them a minute less in each class, and break it up into four. And and and, and none of this you go through to Q2. You get out there with your ten riders or eight riders, whatever they. Have. I think they have what? How many riders do we have? Twenty five. Okay, you can do six riders in every class, but the last seven. You can do four classes with six, 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 and seven, and then they can all get out there and ride. That's plenty of open track for people to set a lap. If they still do it, then you start suspending them for races because the thing where you're playing around on the racetrack, not wanting somebody to follow you is dumb, and I get fired up about it. But you, what you said is absolutely true. It's not worth it. So they need to they need to figure out a different strategy. But I want the FIM to do better than what they're doing because they're doing nothing to stop the teams from doing it. This punishment obviously isn't working because this has been going on now for over a year. Absolutely, and, yes. And it's dumb. So you know, but and I will I will lead that into what I think about their yellow flag rule for MotoGP and Moto2. It's it's ridiculous. It, I think the yellow flag rule probably applies to all the classes, but it comes into play a lot in MotoGP. And we saw Bagnaya lose the lap record because someone else crashed. Yeah, how, how is that? How is that even feasible? I, I don't. I don't get it. It's a tough pill to swallow. It, it really is. And and you you immediately you think, well, it, it's it, it's. It's it's fair, but it's really not, you know, because these guys they're out doing what they need to do. If you have someone that is pushing that far on the limit, that they find the limit and they can't come back from the limit, that should not punish another rider. 
And that's exactly what it's doing. It is no. doing just that. If we see a Marquez out there, whenever he has some of his famous saves and he's tucking the front, what's that going to do? He keeps the bike up. He just messes his lap up. Well, that's what a right. crash should do. Unless it is a, a, a dire red flag situation, which we don't see a whole lot of red flags in MotoGP. But if it, unless it is a diehard red flag, something's bad has really going on on you know happened right. on track. Don't and stop it. Don't don't scrub the lap. Let the rider finish their ride, right. and, and don't don't penalize it. Don't penalize a rider for someone else's error. I'll I'll give you canceling a red flag lap because you know what you're going to do. You're going to stop the clock. Everybody's going to go in. They're going to get a shot to go. Yep. But the yellow flag thing is garbage, and I get that we're trying to protect corner workers and other riders. But you know what? This is serious business. This is life-threatening stuff. I get it. But there's part of this is that there's an inherent risk. And you need to have corner workers that are trained. And you know what? As big as these runoff places are, it was as fast as these guys are going, they can get out of the way. You have two people watching, they can get out of the way. If someone's hurt, Bo, you're absolutely right. But, you know, if I was... If I was doing this, my strategy would be to go out super hard. I'd be the first one out, set a flying lap immediately, and then just go out and crash repeatedly. Yep. So that no one else could set a lap. That's what I do. And and you could say, well, that's cheating. Well, it's, it's a strategy. And what else are they going to do? It's ridiculous. My thought is that the FIM will claim that this is all about safety, though I don't know how many injuries that were ever had in all the years before this rule. How many? I don't know of any. That were people, you know, a corner worker died or got hurt because they were cleaning up a bike during qualifying and someone else crashed in the exact same spot. Right. I can't think of a single instance. So what we're doing, possibly in my mind, is they are allowing people that would normally not be close to the front or the sharp end to be at the front. That's yep. what I think, because they're making they're they're saying they're leveling the playing field. But you tell me how it's fair for somebody like Francisco Bagnaya to set an electric lap, and because Takanakagami threw it in the gravel, it doesn't count. Right. And people will counter with, "Well, he if he crashes behind him, it doesn't matter. You can't control what anyone else is doing. So do not give me." That it's fair. It's not fair, and it's a dumb rule. And yeah. I'll never, I'll never think otherwise. By that logic, you know, by the by the yellow flag lo- flag logic, what does it matter if he's in front of you or behind you? You know, if you're 15 corners away from the guy and someone crashes, technically that should ruin your lap too. If you're coming on the front straight, it, by that logic, right. you know exactly. So, exactly. so I'm right on board with you. And uh, you know, we're obviously not making a whole lot of friends with FIM when it comes to this one, but that's okay. Um, but. Uh, okay. I, I think we're uh, I think we're actually running a little bit tight uh, tight on time with this one, Jason. So uh, I'd say let's wrap this one up, and then we're gonna do one dedicated right, we'll to uh, Moto Two and then Moto America. So you guys uh, stay tuned. Stick and with we'll, us. Yeah, we're gonna jump right into this next one here in a second. <laughs> 